and welcome to the Destinate NZ Show. I'm Michelle Caldwell and today we're talking about building communities. So kia ora everybody, welcome back listeners. It is just me here once again and I have to apologise. Chambers was able to make it but it wasn't possible for me to meet her at the time that she was available. Now I have a little secret to share with you all. I'm actually recording this in Australia so I'm currently on the Sunshine Coast with my mum and dad having a nice little break and extended summer I might add it's beautiful and warm over here and yeah having just a great time walking along the beach every morning and lots of swims and spas and everything else that you might enjoy on a beach holiday so hope you guys are all doing really well back in New Zealand. So there's been some exciting announcements over the last couple of weeks while I've been over here and no one is more excited about the borders opening than me and obviously I'm taking advantage of that by escaping across to Australia and yeah I think we'll find that a lot of people will be starting to plan their trips to New Zealand. That's certainly what I'm hearing over here anyway. I think we will have a good winter period. And it just seems that there are some people still looking for a little bit more certainty over terms and conditions and what happens if borders do end up closing again. Now, we're all obviously hopeful that that's not going to be something that does happen so quickly. But I guess we've had two years of uncertainty and those are the sorts of things that travellers are starting to look at. So yeah, so don't forget when you're putting your rates together, think through your terms and conditions really carefully in terms of your refund policy, your cancellation terms and conditions and what flexibility you might be able to add or certainty you might be able to add in for your customers as well. So today, Chambers was in this interview and you'll get to hear her voice shortly. We interviewed Gavin Oliver from EcoZip in Waiheke Island and we wanted to talk about building communities through COVID and that is something that Waiheke Island have done exceptionally well over the last couple of years and Gavin's going to talk us through just a few of those examples of what they've been up to. So enjoy the episode everybody don't forget if you're listening into this come and follow us on instagram we are destinate underscore nz you can follow us on facebook at destinate nz we're even on linkedin as destinate nz and if you'd like to get a monthly newsletter from us with all of the latest tips around tourism marketing and exciting things that are happening you can do that at destinatenz.com okay so i think that's all from me we'll hand over now to the interview enjoy the chat with gavin Kakite. Well, COVID has meant that tourism businesses have needed to start doing things differently. And now more than ever, it has been shown that by working together, great things can be achieved. Today, we're heading to Waiheke Island to chat with EcoZip's founding director, Gavin Oliver, to talk about communities working together. Kia ora, Gavin, and welcome to the show. Kia ora, Michelle, and thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. Let's start by doing a little plug for EcoZip, shall we, Gavin? Tell us about what you do. 
Yeah, um, thanks, Lisa. So we're a little zipline operation. We're, we're 17 kilometres from, well, the island is 17 kilometres from downtown Auckland. And we're just coming up to our 10th birthday. And the idea behind the business was, Chris, my business partner and I, we had this concept of what we called back then commercial conservation. And the idea that you could take a commercial organisation and use it to fund conservation outcomes. And along the way, we were trying to get into adventure tourism, but we recognised that the market in New Zealand for real sort of scary high adventure tourism is pretty small, but there was a big market for that kind of mid-range stuff. Mm. So we came up with the idea of zip lines and we've got our 10th birthday later in the year. Um, so it really is, it's a combination of what we call adventure tourism for everybody. And we have had four generations of family zip with us. Our oldest zipper was 95. Our youngest was a four-year-old. But off the back of these people and coming out and zipping with us, we then take a portion of what they spend with us and that goes into some stuff that we'll probably talk a bit about this morning, which is in weed and pest eradication and native tree planting. And we're not funded. We don't get any money from DOC or anybody else for this. So it's, it's basically, it's a combo labour of love. It's our guests coming out and zipping with us and, and what we do that, you know, is funding this conservation stuff. Mm, wow. That sounds really cool. So uh, what lessons have you learned through COVID over the last couple of years? Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Just the um, summary. <laughs> yeah, look, I think probably one of the, the, the things that's been most evident to me is that as a business owner and as an entrepreneur, and, and, and you guys will know this, is fundamentally we're all control freaks. And that's why we generally work for ourselves, because we like to control our own destinies. And we think we're better at our own destiny than somebody else. And obviously COVID has taken away the ability to control your own destiny. So mm. from a position where pre-COVID we would be planning two years ahead. And I'd be sitting here now thinking about, for example, what cruise ships were going to come into Auckland in the 24-25 season and how that might affect what I was going to do. I'm worrying about tomorrow mm. uh, on the weekend and maybe a bit of next week, but next week is even too far ahead to, to think about. So I think the biggest lesson from COVID is the need to be agile, the need to have an ability to change on a sixpence and particularly the need to bring your team with you on that. And so they understand because back in May, June, July of, of 2020, there were lots of complaints out there, not necessarily in our business, but we heard a lot of people saying, well, hang on, life's changed and it's not as it used to be. And I think that's one of the things that we, as much as business owners, we've had to get used to that. We've had to share that challenge with our with the people we work with so they understand that we all need to be adaptive and and that I think has been the the biggest lesson of the, of the last two years mm. Mm. now Gavin you're over in Waiheke and it is part of Auckland but I gather from our previous conversations you've done things a little differently on Waiheke can you tell us how the community has come together to target the domestic market yeah, so uh, two years ago, when this whole thing started, we had a tourism association on the island that wasn't particularly effective. It had been, been around for a number of years, but everybody was you know, pretty busy with their own business, Lisa. And it was COVID provided a pause. And what happened was a, a few of us got together. I came onto the committee and a few other things. 
and we began working much more closely and we began talking to each other more. Probably, we probably have spoken to each other more in the last two years than businesses on this island have spent talking to each other in the last two decades. And there's been a, a lot more sharing of information and the challenges have, have been swept away. And it started with things like last year, we had a thing called On the House, which was this fantastic scheme where we had batch owners donated their properties and, and you would come and stay in the batch the revenue from that wouldn't go to the batch owner. The batch owner was then donating that back to the island's attraction and restaurant uh, communities. Um, and you would get that money that you would normally have spent for the batch back in vouchers to spend with local businesses. Oh. And it was a fantastic community initiative. And, and, and bizarrely, because I'm not a batch owner, and nor was I one of the people that really got to involve involved in this they asked me to front this and I got a really good plug I got a nice piece on seven sharp by night so did ecos <laughs> it no harm at all and <laughs> so there's been a lot of those kind of things and there's a lot of collaboration going on now there's a lot of people talking to each other in ways we never we, we never have previously and we've had a share of challenges as you might be aware the government put a board around Waiheke without asking anyone mm-hmm. if we wanted it so during the big long lockdown last year, we were behind that Auckland border. So Aucklanders couldn't get to the island. So even if we'd been able to operate, we wouldn't, mm. our customers couldn't have got to us. Wow. Um, and getting that border removed was quite a challenge because when we, as we moved towards the end of the lockdown, we didn't know it was the end of the lockdown. We got to sort of day 90 or something. As we know now, we, we did 108 days. We were desperately trying to get this damn border removed. And everyone we spoke to in government said, well, it was nothing to do with me. I don't know who you need to talk to. And we said, well, somebody (laughs) must have done it. Who the hell do we talk to to get rid of this border? (laughs) And and I owe a a great deal of thanks to the guys at Auckland Unlimited, particularly Pam Ford and Annie Dundas and Nick Hill, because they they sort of rolled up their sleeves and said, right, we're going to work on this. And then in collaboration with a local board, we managed to get the thing lifted. But it was it was quite a challenge. Yes, we did things differently over here, Lisa. <laughs> That's <laughs> good to hear. Well, by the sounds of things. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and Gavin, you mentioned that you've spoken more as a community now than you have probably in the last decade. Are there any challenges or what kind of challenges did you have in trying to foster that? connection and communication in the community or is it something that happened quite organically because of COVID? No look Michelle it's really interesting so we were in a position where two years ago there was a lot of discussion here about over tourism Mm. and what happened was that with the onset of COVID and I think people began to realise how reliant the island was on the visitor economy and we've had lots of discussions and we, we now, and there's been some good stuff. Look, I think it's, it's been really tempting to, to only view COVID through a negative lens, but mm. you have to try and look at some of the stuff that's been positive and what have we learned from this? And, and so things like we have a destination management plan that's, that's in the offing, that's going to look at how we manage tourism on the island for the next 10, 15, and even 20 years. Now that probably would have happened, but it's been accelerated by COVID. And what it's done is it's allowed us to gather the the input from very wide sections of the community and a lot of the community have begun to realize just how intertwined the visitor economy and their lives are so we've got 40 brilliant uh, vineyards on the island lots of good restaurants and and things now they they wouldn't exist for just the island population because it's Mm. not big enough nine thousand people so so that's one of the things that's come out of it is that people have begun to realize how how reliant the island is on the visitor economy 
And also, I think there's a to a point people are, you know, over Christmas, some people say, well, it's a bit quiet, you kind of miss the vibrancy. Where are the people? Mm. Um, so it's it's interesting and it, it's a challenge that's not going to go away. We still need to be very cautious about how, as the recovery happens, how we manage future visitor flows. And, and it's important that Waiheke as a community has a voice in what they want tourism to be for the island mm-hmm. rather than it being dictated to them. Or rather, I think what's rather than it's, it hasn't been dictated, it's rather it's just it's emerged organically. So that's one of the great things is, is there's now this discussion about where are we going with this and what do we want from it? Mm. That's awesome. And so, Gavin, obviously you front quite a bit of this up. So have your staff played any or been involved in this in any way with this community engagement? Yeah, they have. So we did things, for example, last year we ran a locals day where we gave EcoZip over to three locals and we zipped them at very low cost. It was about $40 a head or something. And then the money that was raised on that day has been donated to three charities that were nominated by the community. And and our staff were intimately involved in the planning for that and the delivery for that. And they have been with a lot of these other initiatives. So Chris, my business partner and I don't have a background in adventure tourism. So we're apt to tell anyone that listen, that you've got this pair of fools that knew nothing about adventure tourism that have set up this business and we've got this success on our hands. Now that's not an accident. That's because we work with really smart people. (laughs) <laughs> who know what they're doing and so yeah we've got those guys that are, are involved in a lot of what we do and we keep the guys involved in a lot of this community initiative for night and because they are the community we, we're not separate from the community ecozip is part of the community mm. um, and so we really feed on what they tell us yeah that's cool mm. wow and have there been any surprises along the way that you've discovered as you've been kind of working through all of these different ways of connecting yeah, I, I think, yeah, Michelle, I think one of the things last year that really surprised me, there was this kind of, as we emerged from that first lockdown, as we came out of, was it May 2020, which all seems such a long time ago now. Doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, and I was reminded by my buddy that I, he actually replied or sent me back an email that I sent him in March 20. It was the day after the PM announced that travellers would do 14 days isolation when they came into the country. And I said to him, don't worry, we'll be back in business by October. There's going to be a blip. I said the same. (laughs) It's just, just, thank goodness it's happened now. It's just going to knacker Easter and a bit of the winter, I said. Anyway, here we are. But there was that, and there there was, and there remains, I think, a palpable sense among domestic visitors that they want to get out and they want to support the community they want to support the tourism businesses they want to support the hospo businesses people get it and that, that's been one of the big surprises to me look there are sections of the society that don't i understand that it's not universal but yeah there's that's been a big surprise to me is the willingness to support and also right now at the moment so we've got the omicron wave going through the country there's a tangible blitz spirit as well where people are saying to hell with it i'm still going to go out and do stuff mm-hmm. and that's quite encouraging Mm. And Gavin, is there anything you'd do differently if you had to do it again? Uh, Lisa, that's a really tough one. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) There are moments when I think if I knew back then how long this was going to last, would I have been better off trying to hibernate the business Mm -hmm. rather than struggle through? Because we've had so many false dawns. But I think with hindsight, no, probably not. I mean, if I, I... 
Yeah, we made some commitments. We did things like we guaranteed people's salaries. We paid people 100% of salary for lockdowns because we knew that people are our greatest asset. And other people have said to me, well, that's cost you a lot of money. You know, yeah, we've burned a lot of cash. We, we have a plan for a second location in South Island. And a lot mm. of the development money for that has gone into underpinning the business during the last two years. Oh. But it's kept people in jobs. And so that was the right thing to do. Mm. Yeah. So. Yeah, especially when you are in a remote-ish location and you need a skill set for those people who do work for you. And it's hard to find people at the moment. So I think any business that's managed to hang on to their core staff will actually come out a lot stronger and be able to scale up a lot quicker at the end of all of this as well. Yeah, I think you're Mm. right. And and I've always felt we have a responsibility to our people. So even when things started turning rough, they still got to pay their mortgages. They still Mm. got to pay the new world bill. They still got to make the donations to schools. They still got, uniform to buy Mm. Um, so we had a responsibility to try and support those people as much as we could Mm. yes and did you have a particular big win or anything that you could celebrate yes we did we got a Qualmark 100% pure award um, last year which was a massive massive surprise to me because I just always think of us as this little inconsequential business on Waheke Island and we just do what we do and we bumble along and and I see folks like you at conferences and we all we chat with each other. And, <laughs> but, I, you know, and then so there I was. We got shortlisted. So that was quite a big deal. And there I was down in Christchurch. And, and all of a sudden, there was the EcoZip logo up on the screen. I thought, <laughs> what the hell's that all about? I won the bloody thing. Well, won one of them anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So there have been a couple of things like that. Last week, we actually had Richie McCaw out here to hand over the trophy in person because there was nice. a slight delay with the trophy. And, and I think for us and the team, it's been really tough. So little things like that, our little rays of light and an otherwise quite dark horizon or what has been a dark horizon for a while. Mm-hmm. Nice. So yeah, there's been some stuff like that. That's, yeah. that's been pretty cool. Cool. We talked a lot through our Tourism Awards series last year that we did on the show about how much those awards did mean for the team. And it was it was almost not so much the public recognition, but it was the fact that as a team, you could sit and celebrate together and just reflect on what you'd done really well. And I guess having Richie McCaw turn up probably gave everybody even a bigger thrill than <laughs> just winning yeah, the award. It was a, it was a real buzz. <laughs> but Michelle, I think the other important thing here is that when you look at the judging panel on those things, you're being judged by your peers Mm. Mm. so it's one thing to be judged by the public to be judged by your peers is quite something because they know they understand they know what's going on they they understand how you might appear serene on the surface the old duck thing but you're paddling frantically below Um, (laughs) and they get it they've been there too so it's a yeah it, it is quite special when it happens yeah. And it was brilliant for our customers. So we had a tour rolling and, and I literally, I saw people sort of stumble out of the bus and there was this, and there was a sort of muttering, is that Richie McCall? Is that Richie McCall? That's Richie McCall. <laughs> so it was, it was oh, really brilliant. cool. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Yeah, he's still a legend. <laughs> he is, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's well, probably one of the best things about the border being closed is it was a, a, obviously a, a purely Kiwi audience on the day he was yes. here. Yes. Yeah, of course, of course. Now, I was reading an article the other day preparing for this interview with you saying that you're a self-confessed Luddite. Tell me how that's changed over the last two years, or has it? I'm I'm assuming it has. Oh, it has. (laughs) It's had to. I, look, 
I, I've never really fully understood the value of social media and the value of digital marketing and SEO. And these have been terms that people have banded around. And I, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just, but the last two years has forced me to look at some of this stuff and to recognize where my weaknesses are and to go and get some help. And we work with a, a, a digital agency called Maverick. And Alex Dykeman, the lady that owns it, has become a dear friend because she's very patient. And I'll make somewhat unusual statements and she looks heavenwards and, and pauses and then explains to me why some of my ideas might not be as smart as I think they are. And, and gently, she's done that for the last two years and, and they've done some fantastic results for us. And I've begun to understand now how the way we market has changed and the messages we're sending and the broad range of media we need to be talking to our audience on. It's not as simple as it was 10 years ago when we first set up Ecosip and we talked about that back then we, we talked about three touch points and you'd have videos on things like the Airbuses and you'd have brochures in brochure racks at eyesight and things and then maybe a, a, an ad in the Auckland A to Z and the attempt was to try and get you know, three interactions with your brand before the customer even got into downtown Auckland. Mm. Now we're talking about, in fact, I was sitting there having a conversation last week in preparation for a wider reopening of the borders talking to um, Alex and, and Ryan, our account manager, about, okay, how do we start targeting Americans on the Western coast, on the Western seaboard, who might be active considerers for New Zealand later in the year? Because we want to start hitting those guys now. Mm. Now, that to me, that's witchcraft. Yeah, I was a real, I still don't know how it works, but I like the witchcraft. Yes, yeah, <laughs> fair enough. I was having a chat with my mum the other day and she said, oh, I don't know what's going on, but every time I Google something, it feels like then next minute I'm seeing all the ads on Facebook. And I said, yeah. mum, that's called marketing. That's what yeah. I do. That's right. Yeah, that <laughs> I Are they listening years, to me? You know? <laughs> all these years she's wondered what my job actually is. And I think she's now just starting to understand. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, now there's been a lot of talk about tourism never being the same again or nor do we want it to be and that's obviously mainly from our minister but when you look ahead how would you like the industry to look i as you probably well i wrote an op-ed piece in the herald on this very subject just before christmas and government at the moment seems to be somewhat fixated on the, on a high value traveler but without really defining what that high-value traveller is. And, and this is not new. This, is, this conversation has been going on for a long time, as, as, as you're both really well aware. And I think that where we're going in the future is, look, and it's hard because we, we need, as I said previously, there are a lot of businesses that have signed up to things like the TSC Sustainability Commitment. The 1,500 businesses, I think, was the number I read. So there's already great work being done in that space. But right now, you've got an industry that's running on the smell of an oily rag. Mm. People have been cut off from their major markets for two years. They just don't have the money to spend on some of the things that I know that they, they would aspire to. So we've got an industry that understands the need to move to a more sustainable footing and, in fact, desires to move to a more sustainable footing. But financially, they just find that quite tough. So right now, the first thing we need to do is we need to get the industry back in the black. Let's get everybody mm -hmm. back in the black because they can't start to go green until they're back in the black. Mm -hmm. That's the message. Financial sustainability is what we need first. And then there's a lot of work being done up and down the country with things like destination management plans. And that's really positive as well because that's then about engagement with the community and talking about where we want tourism to be. 
But we also have to bear in mind that prior to the borders closing, tourism was New Zealand's you know, largest earner. We're not going to replace that with something else. Mm. So um, many businesses in the country operate on a model where they, need, they simply need volume. And, and we need to try and balance that. And we have to look at getting the right kind of visitors coming into the country, those high spending visitors. But that doesn't necessarily mean we don't want backpackers. Mm. And I've been involved in a very animated debate with some people around this recently. We need to get past this idea that backpackers are bad travellers because actually Mm. backpackers tend to be long stay. Um, Mm -hmm. They engage with the community. They spend their money in the gas station. They spend their money in the four square. They Mm -hmm. stay in boutique type accommodation and what we do know is that they spend a lot of money on activities mm-hmm. so the notion that we want to get rid of backpackers is kind of crazy you know and you can't conflict you know backpackers and freedom campuses they're not all the same things and then and they're multi-generational travelers as you both know from your, your own background mm-hmm. somebody that comes here as an 18 or a 19 year old is then likely to come back in their 30s or 40s and relive that experience and when they do that they'll spend a lot more money yeah and so actually that they are the kind of travelers we want so it's a the, the future is going to be quite interesting i'm also quite tempted to think that government probably won't dictate what the future of tourism looks like i think the market will probably dictate yep. that yeah absolutely but i think we do have an opportunity now to have more community engagement in that though and that mm. that's a really positive step forward yeah yeah absolutely and i think going off what you just said then looking at the markets, really, the reality is there's only really the two extreme ends that are going to be able to come and travel this side of the world. And that is the backpackers that they don't have other commitments. They've still got that money in the bank from two years ago when they were going to come over and they'll be doing the working holiday Mm. visa. So they'll be able to pay their way as they stay. And then your high end, because those families that would have traveled, their funds have been decimated and they've got to build those back up. Yeah, look, you're absolutely right. Listen, if you look traditionally, my background prior to getting into this was I was in corporate travel and and, and broadly aviation. And they were the two sectors that always seemed to be unaffected by most things, whether it was 9-11, Gulf Wars, SARS outbreaks. It was always the luxury market and the backpacker markets that came back first Mm -hmm. because they're the most resilient in a Mm -hmm. way. And then the mid-market stuff, that that comes back on a longer term and that's mm-hmm. the great challenge for us in New Zealand right now and Lisa for you sitting there in Australia as well is <laughs> because we're long-haul destinations we're once mm-hmm. in five or ten year destinations for most of our normal markets mm-hmm. and so it's not going to come back overnight the idea that there's this massive cohort of travelers just waiting for the borders to open and we're going to get a flood of a million visitors is nonsense frankly mm-hmm. it's going to take us several years to recover And the challenge now is for those businesses that are struggling is making sure we've got really high quality supply to meet demand when it comes. Yeah. Because we want to make sure those really great businesses that did such a good job of pitching New Zealand to the outside world are still here when the borders reopen. Because we account for something like 0.3% of global travel. We have a tiny budget. We Mm -hmm. actually rely on really good tourism businesses up and down the country that send people away as advocates for the country. We need the Hobbitons. We need the the, Dive Tutakaka is a great one because obviously we lost Yaron a week ago. So he's very much in my mind. But it's businesses like that and up and down the country where people leave and they are New Zealand. And we need to Mm. make sure those folks are still here. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. One final question before we um, wrap up. Have you got any tips that you can share with our listeners from your learnings over the last couple of years? 
Yeah, but I think the biggest one, and I was asked to, Westpac said to me, could you do a webinar for us on financial planning in times of uncertainty? And I <laughs> laughed and I said, what the hell am I going to tell you? This <laughs> I tuned into that one. I was on the I other said, end. You know, we're just blundering from one week to the next. <laughs> and they said, well, that's good. Just tell people that. And the best feedback I got, I got lots of people contacting me on um, LinkedIn afterwards, um, as small business owners and managers and things. And, and one of the things I said was, don't beat yourself up if you can't see into the future, because we all stress, this comes back to that thing mm. I said earlier on, we mm. all stress about planning and trying to be ready for what's going to happen in two years' time. I think the, the, the best tip is just be adaptable, but accept that you cannot see much further than a week ahead. Mm-hmm. Don't beat yourself up when your guesses go wrong because none of us have got crystal balls and just do the best you can with the information that's available to you. And, and as much as anything, it's use your networks as well. Mm-hmm. Stress test your ideas amongst your peers and friends. Be prepared to have crazy ideas and then ask your friends about them and they'll tell you if you're nuts or not. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> and they'd do it anyway. No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that sounds about right yeah yeah but no I, I it really is use your networks Re- rely on your networks and don't beat yourself up that you don't know what's right around the corner because the last two years has taken away our ability to do that wow i think that's a great tip Good advice. Yep. Okay. So I did say that was the last question, but I didn't mention our quick fire round, which we like to do with all of our guests. So this is just (laughs) the first, we'll give you a couple of options. You tell us the first one that pops to your head and um, we'll see what, we'll get to know Gavin a little bit better. (laughs) So beer or gin? Uh, Beer, craft beer. North Island or South Island? Oh, yeah. Um, I love both, Lisa. <laughs> you have to choose one. <laughs> no time for diplomat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm absolutely, you're breaking up there. <laughs> Very good. Uh, okay, kiwi or kaka? Uh, kiwi. Emblematic. Mountains or ocean? Our ocean, yeah. Singing or dancing? Oh, dancing. If you yeah. heard me sing. <laughs> we have um, heard you sing. Oh, that's why I actually thought you would say sing. <laughs> <laughs> um, Favourite holiday destination in NZ? Uh, lots. Um, Kaikoura. It's just a magic part of the country, a really underrated part of the country. And then far north as well. Yep. Nice. And first place you'll go offshore when you can? Anywhere. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's probably going to be Australia, I think, for work. Okay. Awesome. And if you have one wish for 2022, what would that be? I'd really like to be in a position where the first thing on a conversation with anyone, it's got nothing to do with COVID, where we talk about something else. I'd like to go back to talking about the weather. (laughs) Or the All Blacks. (laughs) Not bloody COVID. (laughs) 
Oh, perfect. That sounds great. And um, just a little weather check. It is nice and sunny here in Topol today, just so you're aware. <laughs> but no, Gavin, look, thank you so much for joining us. That wraps up our, our questions for today. It's been great having you on the show and learning a little bit more about what Waiheke Island's been doing, um, because we've obviously heard a lot. We've seen some of those campaigns and really admired that. And it was great to just to dig a little bit deeper into how some of that came about. So Thank you for joining us and we wish you and your team every success. Thanks mm. indeed. And, and the same to you. Go well, both of you. Thanks indeed. Okay. Kakite. Okay. Okay.